how to start. Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to Creative Principles. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. In this podcast interview series, I'll be speaking with writers, directors, actors, musicians, chefs, and various other types of creatives as we bridge the gap between creativity and productivity. Here we'll be discussing the habits, routines, and lessons that help promote a successful creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. Make sure to also check out Freelancer Class, where you can learn how to become a freelancer full-time or part-time. The online course will teach you how to make money online as a writer, marketer, designer, virtual assistant, accountant, or salesperson. Stay tuned after the show to learn how to get access for free to this $99 valued freelancer course, along with some other free items on our website, creativeprinciples.live. Thanks to the success of the solo album from Steven Tyler in 2016, a documentary has followed the milestone event. In the film Out on a Limb, the Aerosmith singer and many of his colleagues discuss his jump to country music. Steven Tyler has revealed most people would rather be certain they're miserable than take a risk and be happy. I feel like I'm doing something new again, he said. It's somewhat insane for a rock star as popular as Steven Tyler to make such a change, but that's exactly what he did. In this exclusive interview, filmmaker and longtime friend Casey Tebow discussed how he met the band and the details behind Tyler's risky move to country music. Also, make sure to look for the print version of this interview on the Classic Rock section of the website Monday Monday Network. There's not exactly a... Uh real um, opportunistic outlet in the Northeast to try to work, you know, in entertainment. It's not like living in L.A. or New York. Um, when I say Northeast, I mean like New England. Um, and you know, that's always what I wanted to do, you know, but, but never really wanted to go through the, um, you know, the whole thing of packing up and moving. Uh, and there was a girl I went to high school with who was actually an agent in the NFL, like one of, I think, maybe like 19 female agents in the NFL. She was doing some fan club stuff for them. Um, and she reached out to me and said, hey, because uh, I, was, I was graphic designer at the time. And she said, hey, do you, do you want to do some T-shirt design for Aerosmith? And, of course, I jumped at it. And I ended up working for a gentleman who was, I think, one of the ex-managers. And he had sort of been running the fan club. And there was an opportunity to do this supplemental DVD called Rockin' the Joint. Um, it was like a five-song live shoot done by an English director named Dick Crothers. And I was just going to take all the footage and cut it together. And I hadn't had much editing experience at the time, but I knew that if I could get the opportunity to, to do the job that I could show them that I was, you know, capable, or at least my ego was big enough to think I was capable. Um, and, and what's funny about that is there's, there's actually, if you know, you read books or 
Stephen's book or Joe's book or, or anything. They have, you know, they, they love that sort of fake it till you make it thing. And I just sort of was like, yeah, sure, I can do that. And, of course, I, I got into the, the, the gig, and I was like, oh, man, I have no idea what I'm doing, you know. Um, but I cut this five-song thing together, and uh, Stephen and I had met one day at this guy's house. And we, you know, this. listen, you, you go through your life, and you meet people, and some people you just sort of click with or connect with. Um, it's, you know, it's almost like dating. You go on dates, uh, and the person that you're with, you either clicks or it doesn't. And Steven and I just, our relationship for some reason was one of those relationships that just really clicked. And he and I just hit it off. And, you know, he kind of said to me one day, Hey, do you want to come on tour and film a bunch of stuff? Um, so obviously I was going to take that opportunity to, uh, you know, to hopefully turn that into something. So that's how it all began. So this new film, Steven Tyler, Out on a Limb, it's, it's part documentary, it's kind of part concert. Where did this idea come from? Where did you start? Did you start by filming that uh, first event, or did you start with interviews? What was your process for that? He had called me, um, I think it was the summer of 2016, and you know, I, my career with Aerosmith was pretty, pretty involved. I had gone from just kind of filming backstage, and I, I talk about it in the movie, to to doing bigger shows and their live shows. And then, you know, um, doing stuff on TV. And then I did big music videos and a concert film in Japan. And we did a thing for ESPN where we, we ended up winning Emmys in, uh, 20, 2017, 20, 2015. I, I forget. I'm terrible with dates. 2016, maybe 27. I, yeah, I think it was 2016. So anyway, uh, it was summertime and he was getting ready to do his first solo tour with the love and Mary band. And he had called me and said, Hey, you got to come out to Vancouver and you got to help me with this show. I just, you know, I need you to put your spin on it and just help me kind of change some things. You know, and my intention at that point in 2016, I had just finished uh, doing happy birthday, which is my first narrative film. And I was really done working with the band and, and not specifically Steven, but, you know, they had asked me to do this Aerosmith Live in Donington, and I just creatively, there wasn't really anything that I saw that I could do with the band anymore. So I flew out to Vancouver to, to sit with him, and, you know, I, I'd known Stephen for so long, but I had just never seen him. He was just happy, and, and you know, not that Stephen ever treated anyone bad, because I never saw him do that, but he just, the, the vibe on that tour was just like nothing I'd ever seen. There was no negativity, there was no fighting, and it's not to say that Aerosmith is all fighting, but it was just a different vibe, and I just never really seen him that happy uh, in his professional life. You know, um, Stephen's an extremely caring person, an extremely loving person, and you can see that in the relationships he has with all his children. He's just such a sweetheart. But I was like, man, something's just a little different here. And, you know, I never really thought about turning it into anything. And then he was like, hey, would you come and film the Ryman show? And I was like, yeah, you know what? Yeah, I will, because it was just such a good vibe. So we filmed the Ryman show, and then we shot another show at the Wang in Boston, which was a nightmare for, for so many different reasons. And then I had the show, and he was like, you know, maybe we can do something with this. And I was like, you know what, let me call some people that he wrote the record with. I'll call some of his peers and just see if I can turn this into something. Um, and that's how it became the, the movie that it is. 
So country music has changed a lot. You've also worked on the show uh, for CMT Crossroads, where they'll combine people like the Avett Brothers with Randy Travis. Um, do you kind of see that blend as, as more of an acceptance for like Stephen Tyler to make this transition over? Well, you know, that's kind of a loaded question because I think what country has become now is really more pop music. Um, I've worked with, I've worked with Thomas Rhett a couple times, and aside from him, aside from his dad being an amazing songwriter and Thomas having a little bit of a southern accent, his his music is not that different than something like a Bruno Mars. Um, and you know, if you go back to some of those hits that those guys had in the late '80s, early '90s, like what it takes, uh, you know, that's got quite a country rock feel to it. So I think that those guys, specifically Steven and Joe, um, it, you know, it, look, when Bon Jovi came out and did it, you know, it's cool. And I think John is fantastic. And he's, he's obviously a, um, a giant in the industry, but I don't know that Bon Jovi had ever sort of um, dived into, you know, that sort of music. And Steven and Joe with some of their earlier stuff had already kind of done that. So I feel like, the sort of anyone uh, there's a Jaron Johnson was talking about in the documentary it was some guy named Clint Walker or somebody was saying Stephen has no business doing country music and it's like well if you listen to some of those earlier eras of records there's there's a little bit of country stuff on there and Stephen's older so he grew up listening to all that stuff you know Willie Nelson and Johnny Cash and the Everly Brothers so I don't think it's fair to sort of say that Stephen uh, you know, kind of leaned over to country. I mean, I think if he did a rap record, that would be a little more shocking. Um, but country is, I think, something that he's got in his blood. And uh, he could have done an album of classics. He could have done a big band record. He could have done a Christmas record. And I think that it's obvious that he wanted to uh, make some music that was a little more close to his heart and, and a little more genuine. So I don't think that he's sort of jumping on any sort of bandwagon. There's a scene uh, in the movie I didn't expect. It's kind of around the Kennedy Space Center. Um, I don't want to go into too many details. I'll kind of yeah. I'll kind of save that for the fans. But you know, basically, Stephen had this idea, and then he dove into it about kind of getting into space and that kind of thing. How quickly, you know, in your experience, does he have an idea and then kind of go into it, or does he think about something a long time, like either in this example or the example of the the country album? You know. It's interesting. I have two boys, 10 and 8, and one is very sort of uh, not reserved, but he's he's got a little more anxiety than the other one who's just kind of leaves the house with his pants on backwards and doesn't care. And what makes me laugh about it is he's he's willing to sort of jump in the pool when it's 40 degrees and he doesn't care. And Stephen is like that. Stephen is one of those guys who just sort of gets off on life. And, you know, there's, there's this famous saying that I – I try to explain to people that I work with in the entertainment industry, which is called dare to suck, which is like, if you're not willing to take a chance to try and do something different or cool with the potentiality of falling on your face, you're never going to do anything outside the box or exciting. And that's the kind of, that's the kind of stuff that he does. He'll just go, Hey, we're going to be in Florida. So let's go over to this thing and I'll take up a jet and whatever. And it's just like, I mean, how do you say no? You know, he's, he's, uh, he's a little bit crazy that way. What are, I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on, like in the actual concert, people coming on stage and that kind of thing for fans of Aerosmith. What are some of the, um, similarities and differences, obviously besides, um, Steven's voice that you notice between 
the older music and the newer music? Well, I think what's cool about it is, um, first in the tour is, you know, he, he talks a lot on stage and tells a lot of stories. So there's a cool element there, but as far as the, the difference in the music, you know, there's, there's certainly a bifurcation in what Aerosmith has become. Uh, and I think that it, it kind of came out on the last record, um, music for another dimension, which is, you know, Joe is that, you know, if you listen to some of the raw tracks, rock and roll tracks that Joe Perry lays down at his home studio, I mean, it's just some of the most pure kind of ballsy punk New York rock and roll that you can get. And Steven obviously has more of a kind of a pop angle. So I think that there's always a little bit of push and pull between the two of them to say, well, Aerosmith is supposed to be this and Aerosmith is supposed to be that. And that's obviously for those guys to sort of hash out. Uh, you know, you can't, you can't go to an Aerosmith show without expecting to hear all those great songs. So they, they don't need to write any more music, you know, unless they want to. But as far as his country stuff, it's just a little more of that. It's just a little more Steven, you know, it's kind of that, you know, weirdo, gypsy, hippie, rock and roll, and androgynous. Um, there's really nothing on the record that really seems like it was sort of forced from a place of not being Steven. He did a couple songs with T-Bone Burnett. Uh, and there's a couple songs in the movie that we use as, as um, soundtrack. There's a song called Gypsy Girl and... Um, it's just a great, it's just a great song. And I remember he and I were watching the movie back and he kind of looked at me and he goes, wow, I can't believe you used that. That's such a great song. And I was like, I know, I want people to hear it. So there's a lot of good tracks. You know, it's interesting that um, there's a lot of good tracks on that record. And, and there was a lot of good, I mean, take what you will about music critics and what they say about records, but there was a lot of really good um, feedback for some of the tunes on his record. Um, just kind of being, you know, uh, pure for what for what steven is you know it's like when you when you even though i don't want to miss a thing is their biggest hit you know it was written by diane warren it was written by diane warren who who has written songs for everybody so i think that there's there's a little bit of that uh, it's not really an aerosmith song um and when you hear steven's record he, he wrote you know most of that stuff or with other writers or whatever so so you kind of had a unique experience. You had a great opportunity, but you also took some risk, you know, to, to get started in this in this field. What advice might you have for people who want to get into maybe directing music videos or working with artists in some other creative way? What advice would you have for those people? Just uh, you know, get a get a job that can support what you want to do in your in your spare time to to sort of chase you know those dreams of being a filmmaker and just literally film film anything. You know, don't ever take advantage of a situation that might be, um, how do I say this? It's like if you live in a small town and there's a, a family who has some sort of unfortunate situation, you know, you never want to take advantage of people. But, you know, there's there are stories to be told everywhere. Um, there's this, I, I don't want to be crass or anything, but just go on CNN or go on whatever your, whatever your favorite news site is, CNN or Fox. There's a superintendent from New Jersey who's been going to the bathroom on the football field for months and months and months. And, and the parents and teachers went to the school and wanted to get cameras to, to, um, 
see who it was and he turned it down and it's like well because like that's just a weird story but there's something there we'll make a little documentary and try and try to sell it and then you have an opportunity for people to see the hardest thing about making movies is getting money to do it you know and that's one of the reasons between between doing narrative movies i'm uh doing these documentaries is because they don't take a lot of money to do and you sort of have creative freedom to sort of do what you want just got one more question. So you reference David Fincher in the beginning of the film. A lot of people may know that he transitioned from music videos into a really an iconic director. Um, what else are you planning to do next? Are there any current projects you're working on after this film? Um, I, like I said, I did happy birthday came out in 2016 and Steven had a really fun uh, cameo in that as this sort of wacky drug dealer. Um, and he actually got a lot of good reviews about his performance um and i'm doing uh my new film probably won't start filming until the fall but we're prepping now just getting ready to get a finance and, and get some things lined up in can and start looking for actors but it's, it's a pretty good sized movie um pretty big budget and I'm, I'm pretty excited about that so just try to get bigger and bigger Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Before you leave, don't forget to sign up for the weekly newsletter where you also get free access to the freelancer course, Master the Freelancer Mindset. This system will teach you exactly how to find clients online, which includes step one, the psychology of the mindset, step two, how to create a killer profile, and step three, how to find quality clients. This online course is valued at $99. It can be yours for free. In addition to the free course, you'll get access to the ebook How Hollywood Screenwriters Annihilate Writer's Block. This contains advice from Aaron Sorkin, Carrie Fukunaga, and William Monahan. You can find all of this and more on creativeprinciples.live. Visit the website for new interviews, articles, and the daily blog. That's creativeprinciples.live.